0: Wherever you are in the world, know that Jesus loves you, and we love you. Enjoy the podcast.
1: Well, today we are kicking off a brand new series uh, on miracles. Anybody want to hear about some miracles over the next couple weeks? Yeah. Well, good. That was a good response. I'm, I'm happy and I'm proud to say that, uh, that I'm among those who believe in miracles. Now, uh, over these next three weeks, this will coincide uh, with our biannual prayer and fasting. And so if you didn't know, today we are beginning our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And this is an invitation for you. Uh, it's not a demand. I've got some funny DMs uh, from some beloved church members about uh, throwing them into a fast at the top of the year. But I promise, it's going to be good for you. Uh, this is going to be an opportunity for you to experience more of God. And am I the only one here who wants more of God in your life this season? Amen. I do. I want to see Him move. I want to see his power. I want want to see beautiful and powerful and miraculous things. And so over the next three weeks, that's what we're going to do. We're going to discuss miracles. And I'm going to show you from the word of God uh, why we should believe in miracles. And I'm going to show you the power of that belief. uh, and, And what it means in this season of prayer to be seeking God for things that are Uh, Otherwise, impossible for man, but not impossible for him. Now, for our 21 days of prayer and fasting, uh, we're going to be here Monday through Friday at 6.30 a.m. Okay, so what does that mean? That means you've got to go to bed at night uh, if you're going to join us for prayer and fasting. Uh, 6.30 a.m. Monday through Friday, 9.30 a.m. on Saturday, as always, as we always pray on Saturday prayer. And we would love for you to be there with us. Through that time. And if you would consider yourself a following the way of Jesus, my only ask is that uh, maybe open up your heart in this moment. Open up your heart to the possibility uh, that there's more going on in the world than maybe you knew up until this very moment. Uh, To open our series, we're going to be uh, discussing the power of prayer from the seemingly pragmatic letter of Jesus' brother James. And here's what he says. The prayer of those who are close with God contain far more power than we have ever conceived. And they produce outcomes that could not otherwise be produced just through willpower and intellect. In fact, I'll say this to you. Our prayers turn the tide on broken situations and circumstances at every level of humanity. And today we're going to learn why that is important. So if you have a Bible uh, or a digital device, then turn it up to James chapter 5. If you didn't bring one. Uh, then you're welcome to scan this QR code that is going to appear at the pressing of this button. There we go. And uh, if you'll scan that, it will take you not only to the Bible first, but it will take you to the Bible app event where you can have your own notes to along along through uh, as I work through this sermon. Hear the word of the Lord from James chapter 5. Are there any among you suffering and they should pray? Are there any cheerful songs of praise. Are any among you sick? They should call the elders of the church and have them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. We're going to do that at the end of this service. The prayer of the faith will of of the faithful will save the sick and the Lord, look at this, will raise them up. The prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. Does anybody believe that today? Does anybody believe that today? If you don't, know, you will by the end. I hope, Lord God, we pray now in the name of Jesus that Your Word would be powerful and effective, and that it would inspire us to believe in the power of prayer, that we would be forever changed because of it. In Jesus' name, Amen. Uh, I have the privilege uh, of sharing with you that I've seen many, many miracles in my lifetime, and, and I don't mean in books, I don't mean on the internet, I don't mean somebody else's story. I mean I've seen, uh, I've seen arms that were bent from birth straight. Uh, I've seen a young woman get up out of a wheelchair. It, it was uh, a pretty incredible moment in my life to watch someone stand who had not walked in a long time. Uh, in fact, I saw my mother pray uh, and cancer disappear from her body. She went in for a mammogram. They did it twice. She had a lump. We went home and we prayed. And she gathered her sisters to pray. And they laid hands with oil on her shoulders. and. She went back and there was no love. Yeah. But the greatest miracle that I've seen, the one that I'll continue to testify to over and over again, is the birth of my son. And, and many of you are new, so you may not have heard this story because it's from 2015. But, but my son came into, into the world under very tenuous circumstances. And rather than telling my version uh, from the outside, again, I wanted to invite my beautiful wife up to have her share from her perspective. Uh, she, hey, y'all can welcome her. Well, a rare condition called of uh, And in one night, guys, in one night I almost lost my wife and my new son uh, because of the amount of blood that they lost. I'm to let her tell the rest of that story. Um,
0: yeah, a lot of you guys don't know this story, so I always feel absolutely honored whenever I get to tell anybody this story. I will tell it to anybody who wants to listen wherever whenever I'm at because it's such a testimony of God's faithfulness. Um, You you all know we have two older daughters And we went through six years Of infertility Trying to get pregnant again Didn't know what was going on Praying for a son And finally we got pregnant And it was a boy And it was like first miracle God's answering prayers Um, And at 28 weeks I went in for a regular ultrasound And they saw something strange on the scan And they said You're going to the hospital And I was like Okay, well, when? And they said, right now. And I said, How long am I going to be there? Well, you're going to stay there for a few weeks. So um, Leon's rushed home to get me a bunch of stuff that I would need to stay there. They said, We're going to try to um, give you some steroid injections to speed up his lung development, try to deliver you, get you to 34 weeks, deliver you via C section. Um, because with the condition of phase of previa, what it is is that the um, umbilical cord is not attached to the um, placenta in the right place and his the umbilical cord was between his head and my cervix so if I had a contraction or even if he put his little hands up there and grabbed his umbilical cord he could burst the umbilical cord and he would bleed out inside of me so it is a condition that is very rare but it has a very high infant mortality rate and as I went into the hospital I was a little terrified at what could happen but believed that you know God could keep us Um, and lived in the hospital for four weeks, and at 32 weeks in the middle of the night, I woke up bleeding profusely, and I knew it was my son's blood. Uh, His cord had burst, and he was dying inside of me, and they rushed me down to the operating room, and um, within 15 minutes, they had me out, and they had him out. And at that point, when he was delivered, he had already lost half of the blood in his body, and he wasn't breathing. His APGAR score was a one, which means he was basically dead. Um, And they did chest compressions on him for seven minutes and 28 seconds. He did not breathe for seven minutes and 28 seconds. They did chest compressions on his four four pound, three ounce body. And when I came out, of the anesthesia, there was no baby in the room with me. And I knew he had probably died. And as they were wheeling me out, they said, congratulations, Mrs. Crump. And I just thought, how, where is he, what's going on? Um, And this picture was the first time I saw my son. It was this picture. And uh, Leonce brought it in to me as I was in recovery room, and I finally got to go see and hold him the next day, Uh, which was complicated, because he had a million cords coming out uh, but they told us, they said he didn't breathe for seven minutes, he's going to have brain damage. The first scan came back clear. Yeah. They said sometimes it takes a few days for it to show up, but he's definitely going to have some developmental learning delays. He's going to have speech problems. You can't go that long without breathing. They did the second scan and it came back clean. And he was out of the NICU within four weeks. And he's completely healthy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <In bed. laughs> <laughs> incredibly smart, <laughs> incredibly smart. Um, I mean, I could just tell you how smart he is, but it's just a testimony to how faithful God right. is. Right. Them, that night, he did a miracle, and it was the prayers of his people. This right. this church body surrounded us during that time, and they believed. And as soon as he got the call that I was being wheeled to the operating room, the text.
1: The power of prayer produces miracles, and I don't know who needed to hear that today. Maybe all of us. But the power of prayer produces miracles. And as James closes his letter uh, to this beleaguered church. This is what he closes with. In fact, his prescription to every problem, as you will soon see, is a simplistic one. It's to pray. And that's hard for us, isn't it? Yes. Thank you. Thank you, honest people. For the rest of you liars, God's going to save you today. Prayer is hard for us. Not all of us. There are three prayer words in this building. But for the rest of us, prayer is hard because Because when I pray, I don't feel like I have an opportunity to solve the problem. Maybe that's just me. Or I don't trust God to come through. I don't believe that he's actually going to do what he says he's going to do. In in, in fact, if I could summarize why James' prescription is problematic for most everyone, it's this. That that we don't believe in the power of prayer. Now, please don't be offended by that. Because if we believed in the power of prayer, then this room would be just as full on Saturday morning as it is right now. And if we believed in the power of prayer, then prayer would be our first recourse when things go wrong. Prayer would be our first recourse when things go right. But I am telling you, I am confessing, and maybe you can be honest today. If I'm honest with you, I am confessing that I struggle with believing in the power of prayer. Because for a hyper-intellectual person, it feels very nebulous to me. Even though intellectually I believe what God says about who God is. But we don't believe in the power of prayer. If we believed it, everything would be different. If we believe it, then we wouldn't know that prayer is the greatest instrument is at our disposal. Listen, if we believe the power of prayer, then there is no way that we could not believe in miracles. And yet it is prayer throughout the scriptures over and over again, prayer from the Old Testament to the New Testament, that we see God operate in and through to do things that are simply impossible outside of it. That's what I want to seal to your heart today. That your prayers have power, that God intends to use your prayers with power. the prayer, listen, of a righteous person is powerful. Amen. It is powerful. Family, listen, I'm telling you, if we become a praying church, if we become a praying church, everything changes. Everything changes. So if we want to look on, when we open up your Bible notes, and, and, and we'll look at how James answers this question. He says, How powerful is prayer? Well, he asks the question, Does anyone suffer among you? And he answers his own, They must pray. Now, James' question, of course, is rhetorical. It's a rhetorical question. Because, as we know from the context of this letter, if you've ever read it, the people are suffering. They're suffering all types of abuses underneath the government under which they exist. You can read it from James chapter 1 through James chapter 5. The church was a persecuted. Church, And there were many among them who were facing mounting hardships in their life. And you would think to yourself that their pastor would give them a book to read or a prescription to have or or a way to operate differently or to change their voting paradigm. But what he says first and foremost is as you face the difficulties of your reality, start with prayer. Start with prayer. It reminds them that they must pray and keep praying. Yes. (laughs) That they should continue to seek the listening ear of the living God. And then you hear me say this, that prayer is not a passive resignation to a a situation. It is a revolutionary and divine tactic. Because prayer requires that we believe beyond ourselves. And these are not just private personal prayers, these are corporate and communal prayers. And so James, going back to his he says, are there any among you suffering? Then let them pray. Why? Because prayer comforts the suffering. This is why James insists that they pray. Prayer comforts the suffering have you ever been in a situation before maybe this is just my testimony where i felt like my world was coming undone the wheels were coming off and somebody who loved me pulled me aside and said can i pray for you and all of a sudden my back straightened and my chin went up and i felt like i had a little more gas in the tank for one more how does prayer come for the suffering because that most other things cannot provide. But prayer doesn't only cover the suffering. That's the point of this letter. In fact, James goes further and asks another question that we already read together. Are any among you sick? Are any among you sick? His first prescription, Pray. In fact, get the elders together to anoint this sick person with oil and lay their hands on them so that the divine prescription of prayer might be applied to this moment. Now, the elders anointing the sick person with oil, there's nothing special in the oil. The oil is only to symbolize that this person is being set aside for the divine intervention of the hand of God. And you see it all throughout the scriptures. That oil is used in that way. It is specifically used for healing through the supernatural power and grace made available through Christ. Hence, we read in Mark 6, 13, they cast out many demons. That's going to be a problem for some of us. and anointing with oil, many who were sick and cured them. We're going to get to that next week. Now, it's important to note that the anointing, again, is to be done in the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord Jesus. You can't just slap some oil on somebody. It's not your power. Did you know that? That's where many of the charismatic movements got in trouble because they started to believe that it was their power instead of his power. Right. We can't worship the gift, we worship the g- gift giver. Right. And we operate in the givers. The anointing is not through our power, it is invoking Jesus to act in the power of his resurrection. That's, right. That's why it's done. James seems to straddle a little bit here the charismatic and the institutional That not He's like get the oil and shabak somebody but make sure the elders are there <laughs> he's straddling the institutional and the charismatic a little bit so do we here at Renovation Church and it's important that we do that Why? because early Christians believed that God could and did heal and they prayed for healing guys I, I don't know how Say it differently. You gotta believe that God can heal. Listen, you gotta believe that it is God's disposition to do good things in your life. Ooh, come on! You know your next step of faith is not gonna be learning to love God more. It's gonna be believing how much God loves you. Actually, believe. Says the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up. That's right. Prayer will save the sick. How can James say this so confidently? Well, again, we find ourselves at the crossroads of multiple camps of Christianity. And so instead of looking at the camps, I'm going to look at the scriptures. His words are clear and they're scripturally congruent. God can and does, listen, violate. To say this real theologically for my heady people. God does violate the natural unfolding of order and history by inviting in eschatological inbreakings of his future power into present moments. Right. You know what I just said? No. <laughs> At the end, everything will be made right. right. No sin, no sickness, no pain, no sorrow, no tears. And because of the power and effectiveness of a righteous person's prayer, sometimes we pray and God goes to the end and pulls it into the present. That's what we're saying. And so when I know medically, Dr. Kessler will tell you three minutes on a baby, they call it. But seven minutes and 30 seconds, they pumped on my boy's chest. That's a miracle of God. When you got a nurse standing there crying, saying, I don't know why she kept going, but she just kept going, and I'm so glad he's here. She don't even understand what happened. And we told her, I'm going to tell you what happened is the power of the living God. That's what happened. I'm all about medical science, even though they call it a practice. Think about that. But sometimes I need to see the doctor named Jesus. Healing of the sick and literally raising them up was a common theme of the gospel. Listen, I'm going to say it this way it's a symptom of the kingdom. Mm. It's a symptom. What did Jesus come preaching? The kingdom of God. And what came with the kingdom of God? Signs and. And my church kids. (laughs) We don't preach the kingdom because the kingdom is scary. And the kingdom requires a faith that a transactional gospel to get to heaven does not require. All right, let me stop that. Let me get back over here. Healing is a symptom of the kingdom. It's a symptom of the kingdom. It's a symptom of the gospel. It's a symptom of the scriptures in fact we have multiple times in the gospels where we see jesus literally lift people up it says that jesus went to peter's mother-in-law who was sick and he touched her hand and he healed her and he lifted her up and you say but that's jesus and so then later on in acts peter literally does the same thing when he goes to the pool of Bethesda and he lifts a man up into healing it is literally what took place setting them on the path to wellness again thus we must believe that god can and does physical as well as spiritual sickness. But here's the thing that necessitates that. It's faith. It's faith. In fact, faith undergirds it all. I can rattle off a bunch of scriptures here. Mark 2, 5. Mark 5, 34. Mark 5, 36. Mark 9, 23. Mark 10, 52. Acts 14, 9. Mark 6, 6. All of it says that they could not obtain healing because they did not believe. I'm not telling you to have faith in faith, I'm telling you to have faith in God. And to know your word, read your Bible. Remember what Jesus said when he said, I walked in and if they had had the faith of Sodom and Gomorrah, I could have done twice the miracles there that I did anywhere else. So we can not get frustrated. The sick. He says that the prayer of a righteous person, of I the King James Version, availeth much. The prayer of a righteous person availeth much. And you think to yourself, well, what is a righteous person? I'll tell you. James has shown us from the beginning of this book. Can I read this verse? A righteous person does God's will and has a life characterized by doing God's will. A righteous person is single-minded and endures trials without routinely doubting God. This is all from the book of James. A righteous person knows that every good gift comes from God, including the gift of new birth in Jesus. A righteous person practices true religion, caring for widows and orphans and the marginalized. A righteous person does not discriminate because of race, gender, poverty, or position. A righteous person has a working faith, a faith that is completed by works. A righteous person sees control of their tongue to Jesus. Paul's. A righteous person operates in wisdom from above rather than earthly wisdom. A righteous person taps into God's greater grace so that they will choose him over their own desires. A righteous person knows that every day should be lived as their last and perhaps best day because nobody is promised tomorrow. And a righteous person lives in light of the nearness of Jesus. James says that that person can not pray for anything. now, you may be thinking to yourself, yeah, somebody said Jesus back then. Well, who is this who Well, James preempted your question. It's almost like the Bible was written on purpose. <laughs> and he gives us an example of a righteous person who did incredible things. And look what he said, Elijah was a human being just like us. Did you read that? Mm. Did you get it? Like who? Like our raggedy themselves, And he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it didn't rain. Then he prayed again. And heaven gave rain, and the earth yielded its harvest. Elijah was a person just like us. And yet, it says in the Bible that Elijah healed the widow's son. That he was fed by ravens that he made cornmeal and oil run continually from a jar that he resurrected a widow's son that he called fire from heaven that he called fire from heaven again and again three times he called fire from heaven that he parted the jordan and that he was caught up in a world when brother didn't even die god just came and got him can you imagine that like i'm ready Person, he produced miracles, or the God produced miracles through him. Why? Because prayer produces miracles. Now, if you don't know Elijah's story, and I don't have time to get into it, Elijah, Elijah had some problems. He dealt with deep depression, little sliver of narcissism. He's like God. It's only me. It's only me. Why are you only making me? Did you know that? And God was like, my boy, just because you don't know him don't mean I don't have other people. It's not all about you. Right. That was a literal interaction between God and this man who saw all these miracles. He quit twice. I don't want to do this no more. God came to the mountain, rattled some things, whispered to him, and then walked him on into retirement. He was wishy-washy. Called down fire, wiped out a hundred soldiers. Back, uh, 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 um, the, the woman, I can't remember her name right now. She said, Jezebel, there we go." She said, "I'm gonna kill you." He was like, "Oh God, I'm dead. It's over. It's all over. It's all over." He's <laughs> killed a hundred soldiers with fire from the sky, and one woman says she's gonna take your head and you fall apart. Gonna he was a man just like us, and yet. Yeah, There's a list of miraculous things attached to his life and ministry. James chose to highlight Elijah in this particular event of rain. Why? Well, because we know that nobody can physically manipulate the weather. Right? You can stand up front and say, who got back pain? Seven people raised their hand. But you can't make my own rain clouds appear. Right. And even then, because you may not know the story, even then, it required the persistent prayer. In fact, if you go back and read the story, it says that Elijah had to send his servant back seven times until he saw a cloud the size of a man's hand. Did you hear what I said? He had to go back seven times just to see an inkling of the miracle. Let's not give up the first time. Let's not give up the first time. Well, God must not be listening. No, he's listening. There's still something he's doing in you through the process. Right? We want the product, but we don't want the process. But if you want the product, you've got to lean into the Process, right. That's why my gym full record right? is full, and I'm mad. I don't know none of y'all. I've seen you before, and I know I won't see you in three weeks. <laughs> why? Story will persist, we'll Reach about. Keep on, I can. And eventually, when his time come on now, he's going to answer. That's the other piece is we've got to stop mistaking our timing for God's. God now showing up. We've got to stop mistaking our impatience for God's inactivity. He's working, he never stops working stops working. The effectiveness of our prayers are not only tied to the pursuit of righteousness but to persistence and perseverance and patience. In fact, the the literal, and I'll be done here, the literal Greek translation of that word there that James uses for prayer is to pray in praying. It's an active verb. It means to keep on. the thing that you're praying for, until God changes your desires about the thing. Family, in his name, by his power through our prayers, we can see miracles. We can bring healing. We can make entire communities whole. We can be a part of things that cannot happen through our own intellectual capacity and only by the hand Jesus, you think thinking to yourself, okay, why does this matter to me? I I mean, I think you should know that, but I'll answer it anyway. But first I want to speak to those of us who may not be, and, and here's what I'm saying. All of this may be in It might. But I want to invite you to open up to the possibility that God wants relationship with you. In fact, you may even be thinking to yourself, God doesn't talk to people like me. He does, and he wants to. He wants to so much that he gave his only son, forgotten Jesus to die in our place for our sins so that we might have reconciliation with him. And here's the good and beautiful news about that. All the work is on him. None of the work is on us. He does all the work. We walk into the invitation. And so this is my invitation to you today. that even if you don't have it all sorted, Jesus is who he said he is, and today everything changes. So I want to take just a moment and pray for you. And if everybody would have known for just a moment, every head bowed, every eye, you don't have to get out of your seat, you don't have to go anywhere, I just want to pray, pray. And if this strikes your heart, then you pray with me. Truly follows of his way, then we must be people of prayer. We must be people of prayer. I don't know how to how to get this sin in our hearts anymore. We have to be people of prayer. If we are people of Jesus, we have to be people of prayer. We cannot do life by our own terms. We cannot live as functional atheists and then get mad when God doesn't show up. We must be people of prayer and believe. be a community committed completely to miracle-inducing prayer. And when we begin to believe that way, when we begin to pray that way, then we're going to see things that they only saw in the New Testament and in the great movements that have swept this world over the generations. In fact, there's a great quote from Richard Foster that I wanted to share that I think kind of encapsulates the whole thing when we pray, we are working with God to determine the future. Have you ever thought about that? Certain things will happen in history if we pray rightly. We are to change the world Join us for corporate prayer, at least on 7. I don't know, 6.30, some of y'all haven't seen 6.30 in your life. And I understand that. But 9.30, we can-